Hello everyone, my name is Matt Dan and you are listening to On The Rocks from Y-Yoga. This morning we are going to talk about escapism. But before we do that, let me introduce you to our panel this morning. I think we could call them the usual suspects. <laughs> so, we have Monica. Hello, good morning. We have Robbie. Hey everyone, good morning. And we have Colin. Hello everyone. As I said, we're going to talk about escapism, mm -hmm. and I've prepared a musical introduction oh. for for the item. <laughs> Is this the real life? Is this just fantasy? Caught in a landslide, no escape from reality. We'll stop now. The boys are singing. That is so appropriate. It is. I'm shocked. Yes. <laughs> You're shocked? I'm, I'm happily surprised. That's better. Yeah. The boys are singing and Monica isn't. Maybe Queen wasn't big in Italy. No, it was. I just do not remember uh, words of songs. Okay. And you know so that Monica has a problem because she's the queen. So. Ah. <laughs> <laughs> I sing solo, basically, you know. Yeah. I don't mix up. No, no duets. <laughs> Escapism, interesting topic for yogis to talk about. Mm. Is it relevant for us? Yes, of course. So we have the mantra, Asatoma Sad Kamaya. Asatoma Jortir Kamaya. Oh Lord, lead me from the unreal to the real. Yeah. So actually, there is a lot of yoga philosophy which deals with what is real and what is unreal. And we'll go into that further. But maybe we could start with mm. a definition of escapism. What is escapism to you, Monica? Well, escapism, it took me a little bit to... Um, I had to read this word over and over because if I just read it like this, it sounds like running away, which is in fact a, a, a way of running away. If you go into Google, it says the tendency to seek distractions and relief from unpleasant realities. I like the synonyms a little bit more. Mm -hmm. It's daydreaming, fantasizing. And so I said, oh, that's me. <laughs> yeah, that's all of us yeah just to read the word daydreaming and fantasizing i and it threw me back into my childhood where i was actually spending hours in doing just that yeah uh, so i was uh at my desk doing homework but i was never doing homework i was just simply spending hours in daydreaming people thought that i was studying a lot <laughs> but I wasn't studying. I was literally daydreaming. I was flying around like crazy. So I think it's a natural, it's a natural tendency that we all have this, to just run away, escape, just go away from reality. Maybe just for a minute or five minutes or maybe a few hours. You know, I do not consider escapism like a negative thing. Uh -huh. um, it's part of uh, it's part of maybe a, a coping system. Maybe it's part of us of who we are. Some people do it more. Some people do it less. D the definition of escapism is really uh, sort of detaching yourself from reality and, and going into another world, into a reality that you create. Mm -hmm. And then yes, you want to run away from unpleasant things in your daily life. Yes, well, maybe you just want to breathe for a moment and let yourself go without any judgment or boundaries. So I don't want to look at it as a negative thing. Uh -huh. I don't want to talk about escapism as a negative thing that you need to avoid 100%. You can handle it. Yeah. And is there a difference between escapism and imagination? Imagination which inspires and fires us up to do things and to achieve things? Uh, it seems to me that escapism is more linked because daydreaming daydreaming is a part probably of the of escapism and at least it can be an aspect of it but what defines more escapism according to or at least it's my understanding it's the regularity of it mm -hmm. that you do that on a regular basis and that it's really not only a way to escape for a moment but a way to systematically escape problems uh, and, yeah, and on that course. level it can as much as i agree with you that we all do it every now and then because yeah. we all need some time so like at school we yeah. all has to look at the windows and think like oh, how nice it would be to be outside and especially that's robbie a, especially <laughs> robbie probably but <laughs> but and that's, that is <laughs> that is fine when it's becoming a pattern yeah and i think that's at least in the definition that that i that i 
found preparing for this podcast was the element of, of behavior pattern that, that starts to damage you or starts to be to affect you in a negative way. Yeah. Yeah. So Yeah, there are different ways and forms of uh, of escapism. I think we're yeah, but, we'll, but the definition yeah. itself is definitely that it, it it is seeking distraction, running away from reality. Yeah. Which yeah. I would maybe also add another element to escapism is the um of course we're trying to escape or trying to find ways to sometimes run away from the current problem, the task at hand. And we're trying to replace that with something. And I think that that's also an important question, replacement. Like, how do we replace that? And that replacement can be sometimes positive, but sometimes not so positive. You can also say damaging for us. I believe escapism can, can be very, very helpful, positive at times, but it can also be very detrimental, damaging at times. And finding that fine line, um, it's I think it, it, it's a challenge. And but luckily we have yoga, we have mindfulness to understand when we get into that maybe harmful escapism. And um, I guess we'll talk about that. So I, and I think that that's a good pointer. When it begins to become harmful, then then you know that the balance isn't right. And I would even maybe add the word avoidance. Because there's this fine line between escapism and avoidance. We can escape to a la-la land just to feel good, to fantasize. But if we constantly, as Colin said, trying to avoid pain, avoid depression, avoid stress, and we always seek the same tools, can be drugs, alcohol, sex, shopping, that's maybe not so beneficial on the long run. That sounds like my weekend. <laughs> I'm during Corona. <laughs> I am kidding, of course, because the shops aren't open here. Just, just because of that. <laughs> <laughs> Monica talked about how you know she looked like a good student when she was up in her room, looking like she was studying, but instead was daydreaming. Um, she was procrastinating doing her work <laughs> totally yes <laughs> robbie is that is that a kind of escapism as well yes and no they're kind of similar sometimes you can say it. it's a procrastination it's a little cousin of escapism but it's not inherently bad it can also be you just don't understand sometimes why we do things or can also be that it's it's easier to daydream fantasize than do the homework or pretend that we're doing something something good, but in the end, it's just we're just postponing, delaying things. Yeah, we don't want to deal with that challenge. And I think it's 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 a biological thing that we're trying to avoid unpleasant, and that's the mind's the brain's reaction to seek uh, seek the pleasant yeah. in the present moment rather than focusing on the future. Is that the only thing that causes escapism, Colin? I don't think so. I think there are probably several causes of escapism. I think we talked one time about procrastination in one of the previous episodes, and it's like we also broke through probably a few elements of procrastination, which is overall, yeah, probably avoiding. Some people really work well with procrastinating, like really work well under, under pressure saying, you know, if I have six months to prepare something, I wait the last two. Most of the time, there's an excuse that you give yourself. After that, you can work well under pressure, and I'm a master procrastinator, so I always <laughs> like, waited like three hours before the exam to start study. So I know what yeah. it is. It, it doesn't help you. It's just like some people will have the ability to cope with that, and yeah. some people will just be lost at some point. And in so. the back of your head, there's always a bit of that discomfort because you know exactly. that you need to do it. You need to do it, and sometimes you feel bad. You wake up at night like, oof, it's still <laughs> still on my desk. Mm. And, and maybe that's also the difference between or like the the nuance be between procrastination and escapism, at least. In my experience, is that you have this element of guilt in in procrastination because you know you'll have to do it. While in escapism, you start to feel comfortable in in the world you start to create for yourself, and that's maybe also trying to answer the question. I think escapism can also be a sort of neurotic experience that we we sort of like we have this this. Uh, expression in French, we say like the neurotic people are building castles in Spain and the psychotic ones are living those. Yeah. So, 
<laughs> okay. And I think that's, that's why maybe one of the causes, I think we're all neurotic to a certain extent, to a certain level also. And I think it's, as Monica mentioned in the beginning, I think we all need it to sometimes escape, to detach from ourselves. But ultimately to come back to the cause of escapism, as I was thinking about that, I came back to the glaciers because as we're trying to avoid something, it, obviously we have a blockage there, we have an obstacle. And coming back to the glaciers, if we find the root of the glacier, or at least the, the last of glaciers, which is, in my opinion, is always the nicest to start with, to start digging into, it's basically fear. And ultimately, most of the time when we try to escape something, it's because we fear something else. Mm. It's because we are not able at a certain moment in life to deal with what we have to deal with, whether it's a job and then we're going to start like, it's uh, what if I had this other job, whether it's like in our private life. Sometimes, I mean, like we all have been probably in uncomfortable relationship that you'd rather kind of like avoid looking at it and start to dream about other relationship you could have rather than try to, to fix the one you really have or to admit that the relationship is done and then, and that's basically the end of it. But in my opinion, I think most of the time, the root of it is a certain fear. And after that, it starts to feed this aspect of either likes or dislikes if we keep working through the glaciers it's and we we tend to go more towards the place that we find comfort which is those escapes those those fantasies that we can build for ourselves how would you define glaciers for those who never heard about the concept the glaciers are the spiritual obstacles which prevent us from following our dharma i would like to go back just a little bit mm -hmm. further. So you're all taking a very sensible adult attitude to escapism to say, you know, it's avoidance or whatever. In our childhoods, we are encouraged to explore escapism all the time. You know, mm -hmm. the children's books, are they real? Mm. No. No. You know, the, the children's books I read were about... And of course, I read this just after it was published um, at the end of the 19th century, you know, about a girl in Kansas who lives with her auntie, whose house gets blown away in a hurricane, and she ends up in this wonderful land of mini people called munchkins. I mean, you know, this is, it's, it's total, total escapism. Every book that you read as a child is total escapism. And then we're encouraged at school to explore our imaginations because these are the you know that's the thing that helps us to dream and yeah. to achieve something. Yeah, this is something I wanted to say earlier. I, I just didn't. It can be also it's the base of creativity. It could be you know it's where uh, I believe uh, writers or music player or singers or painters they have to go away you know a little bit to feed their creativity. I believe. Yeah, I think it's a, it's a beautiful thought what Monica said that we can escape to avoid pain, but we can also use escapism, go to that fantasy land, and from that fantasy land as an artist bringing something back. And in that case, escapism can be very um, helpful, helpful yeah, to, I think to create. Is. Yeah, it's, uh, it's, so, it's needed, it's necessary. Yeah, or, or the other side of that is what Colin said, and a lot of artists would be neurotic. <laughs> <laughs> for sure yeah and, and <laughs> i think it's a yeah that that are two sides it's the two sides of the same coin escape is there are the positive sides which are the imagination the even socially or politically you need to escape sometimes if you want to create something different the line where you cross the line is the moment where you start to lose yourself and to yeah we lose touch find with solace in some place i think you can only create from the moment of then you you accept and you embrace discomfort and you can still escape to try to find a solution to that, but then something is going to come out of it. While if you just go there to escape reality, then that's a moment when you fall into the dark side of escapism. Mm. Ah, the dark side. <laughs> so, Monica, you said you wanted to look at escapism as neither good yeah. nor bad. Yeah. It kind of corresponds with with sort of looking at the world as a yogi, right? The more that I try to follow yogic philosophy, the more I start to refuse to see things as good or, or bad. bad. 
Yeah. They just are. Yeah. Yes. Uh, it is. It is like that. It's neither good or bad. Anything that it's out of control, as Colin just said, you know, if if it becomes a compulsory behavior, and then it's out of control, so you basically leave uh, away from the reality, then then it can be a damaging thing. But if you use it as a tool to create or a tool to regenerate yourself, it can be a coping skill. It can be a helpful skill. So as we learn in yoga, philosophy, everything, the balance is important in everything. So there is not a good thing or a bad thing or a wrong thing or a right thing. I think the balance is really, really important. Okay, so escapism isn't good or bad, and you've already highlighted some areas where it might become a problem. Do you want to, could you develop that for us so that we can think about how escapism mm -hmm. might yeah, sure. also bring other problems in life? Because we talk about, or actually we look at uh, escapism through the lens of yoga and spirituality, I just wanted to add this, and, and I think it's a nice way to approach escapism through uh, the perspective of mindfulness. Is there mindfulness in your escapism? So we can say like there's mindful escapism or escapism without, let's say, mindfulness. Yeah. Is there an intention? Is there a reason why you do it? As an artist, you go for inspiration or it's more like an unconscious, subconscious habit that you're not even aware of. Okay. So I think it's it's a good separation to, to, mm, I agree. to create yeah. that. Um, mm create these so, two categories so it's swadhyaya right examination of the self. self study yes yeah so through swadhyaya we can then have that mindfulness to work out okay is this escapism helping me and um, because it brings positive things in my life because it helps me imagine that i can dissolve the pain of exactly or is it this pastime that i described to Monica at these practices before? we can learn on the mat of the mat yeah, but for us yogis here in the West, of course, we mostly escape to the mat to to learn these techniques. Yeah, and it does it does kind of remind me that you know the it's not escapism, but it's imagination. Where you know in in asana practice, we do use imagination a lot. If if you find yourself not able to do an asana, mm -hmm. you can imagine doing it, and through imagine doing it, you'll eventually um, get there. So there are good and bad sides as we've said but i i love that idea of mindfully examine it hmm. and then you'll be able to work out whether it's going to be a positive or negative thing in your life hmm. the the question of the self it, it's a big question that always comes up in spirituality in, in the world of yoga what is the self self with the small uh, s or self with the capital s the higher self yeah my perspective on this, it's more like we have many, many selves. Yeah, of course, there's something you could say there's a divine, a higher self. But we also have many, many selves. Of course, you're a man, you're a worker, you're a father, you're a friend, you're a superhero, you're a yogi. So, so many selves we can have. Sometimes you're a nasty person, sometimes a kind person. But these are all colors, uh, parts of the self. And these selves are always changing. We've talked about procrastination, Colin. We've talked about daydreaming while doing your homework. We've talked about you not studying until three hours before the exam. It must mean you're incredibly, incredibly intelligent, because how did you get to be an architect? Three hours is a little bit extreme, but you can do the day before. <laughs> Have you thought about how else escapism might manifest itself in our daily lives um, that maybe people haven't thought about? I think the way it can manifest it through the, in the positive side, the way it can manifest could be, as I mentioned earlier, I think the the idea that we can politically wants to evolve, for example, as we daydream, uh, as we try to think of a better world on the positive side, we can turn those, those dreamy moments into real changes in our lives, whether it's like making decisions, um, whether it's yeah making the right choices. We come back to what Ruby said about choices or like at least uh, learning from yourself, trying to understand yourself better. It can also come back to what Maria said last week. It's making wiser decision or, or at least being able to choose between one path and another one. Yeah, discerning decisions. Exactly. So that would be probably on the positive side, the positive manifestation of that. In the negative one, Ruby also mentioned a couple of, uh, of one that are possible. It's uh, 
falling into addiction, like starting to to escape so much that we lose ourselves. On a more practical level, I think also we we can see escapism in in many areas of our daily life. The way it would manifest is probably a moment that we would feel blocked or cornered or uncomfortable enough that we need that place where we need to go away and that's the moment and that's going to be depending for for everyone i guess there are some triggers like dead end job that that we feel to me the way that it manifests is also it's it's our ability to be delusional for example yeah it's our ability to lie to ourselves but for that you need to be able to go back to the place where you realize it and that's why to me causes and and manifestations are somehow linked because you need to see it to be able to identify how and when it's manifesting. Another example that came to my mind, for example, it's our ability to escape the reality of, for example, the clothes we buy. We all know that buying a two euros t-shirt is damaging at some point in the chain, yet we can escape to it by creating this fairy tale or completely escaping the reality of everything that comes behind it to still do that action without feeling too guilty about it. And we create that fantasy. We live in that fantasy that nobody is paying for it. Nobody pays the price for that cheap thing. Nobody pays the price for the meat we eat. There are many ways that it 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 it's that even like socially, I mean like politically, there are plenty of things that we we decide consciously or unconsciously to escape it. Yeah. Because it's it makes our lives easier. Yeah. And living in Belgium My goodness, Belgian politics has a lot of escapism in it because we all need to escape that axe cut right down the middle of the country. I'm kind of surprised that nobody has mentioned so far, maybe Robbie wants to do it, but I'm gonna I'm gonna catch you out first. The biggest escapism in everybody's day-to-day life is the mobile phone. Oh, yeah. Playing a game on your phone, chatting on your phone, anything, you know, most things you do on your phone, which aren't to, which are just to pass the time and to, and to occupy your monkey mind, that's escapism, right? Traveling also is another kind of escapism to me, at least for some people, the way you travel. I think more, more and more people, especially in, in the world we live in, it's becoming so like pre-COVID, let's say. It, yeah, it exactly. Becomes, None it, of us it, can remember what traveling is. Traveling nowadays bit, is... Yeah, but that's for me, that's part of the problem today because people are so convinced that as soon as they will be able to, I'm going to travel because it's also escapist. You're going to escape the reality of being stuck at home. Yep. And I think for a lot of people, traveling has become also a way of escaping the reality. A lot of people have jobs that they don't like and live for the holidays they can get mm. instead of changing really the root of the problem they prefer to escape through that and it's through the phone is a more daily thing that you can more easily or more unconsciously do but it's it's watching television netflix all those are are sort of escapism i think it depends on what you watch on netflix probably but i mean like i'm I'm more talking about the binge watching and yeah those kind of patterns and again we we come back to the definition of escaping as a behavioral pattern but if you do want to binge watch something on netflix there's a series about mindfulness and meditation so sit through that (laughs) eight Mm -hmm. eight episodes of half an hour each robbie you wanted to come in on on... i think it's about dosage it's it's not that social media is bad too much social media is bad it's not that mobile phone is bad it's too much phone is bad i Mm -hmm. think it's just again if you want to come down to the bring it down to the buddhist teachings you know like find that middle path yeah, have a phone. You can use it for learning mindfulness, meditation. Um, there's so many great apps out there to sit down, mm-hmm. do a yoga nidra, watch uh, a video, listen to a podcast. But again, too much of anything is not really helpful. And it's even like the most organic local food. If you overdo that, you might become quite extreme. And again, you just move to yeah. one extreme out of balance. So, you know, learn from learn from the ancient um, sages. Yeah, but I think there is a difference between the ancient times and now is that it is marketing. I mean, like the world, those social media, as if our phones are designed to keep us busy, are designed to keep our attention. That's an element we can't ignore also. At least that, that's why, but that's you, need why we to, need... you need to be realistic about it. You need to be conscious about what you're doing. But it is also, it is not so easy that 
you're going to take your smartphone and then start to read for 15 minutes because you like get notification, they get, everything is done. So the only way you can go towards that direction, being more conscious, is to limit yourself, put some limitation to your phone, turn off all notification, those kind of things. But you first, again, you first need to come back to that point that you first realize that it creates an addiction and an escapism then, or like an escape. Yeah. But that's not easy. I don't think it's easy for anyone. I mean, like we're all on our phone a few hours a day, I assume. But that's why we have the practice to learn about mindfulness, catching yourself in that in-between moment before you pick up your phone in a meeting, starting to text. Well, in the end, it's nothing is naturally coming. So you have to decide. You have to decide to put off your phone. You have to decide to want to practice meditation or pranayama or pratyahara or asanas. You need to decide. You need to want to do it until you get to that point where you want to be in the reality, be in the now rather than being somewhere else with escapism. It's it's up to you. So if you are caught into the addiction or into the to escapism to a point that you don't even realize that you're doing it, then it's then you need help. So you've brought up practice. What about escapism for seekers in the spiritual world? Because you know, aren't we some of the? We can often be quite self-delusional and fantasists about mm. how how good our lives are, how holy we are, mm. how. Uh, how unlike those people we are. Are there other forms of escapism in the spiritual world, Monica? I wonder if people tend to be more spiritual as a way to escape their reality, or do they use uh, spirituality hoping for miracles? I don't think I've ever used my spirituality in that way. But then again, I was uh, reflecting um, on it. And when I was actively practicing Buddhism, you know, we were chanting for hours and hours and hours and hours because you wanted to elevate you spiritually. You wanted to open your energy channels. You wanted to embrace the whole world, the 360 degrees. You wanted everything to arrive and you wanted to be prepared to really receive all the world into your life. But then I wonder, maybe sometimes I was uh, sitting down in front of my gohonzon chanting nam myoho kyo for hours because I was so tired of my reality. Right. And I wanted to, maybe I would dip down, maybe I was hoping for a miracle to happen or something to magically appear so that I could, you know, using my spirituality or my practice to run away. But on the other hand, the Buddhists of the Sokagakai, the association, the movement I was part, uh, they were really trying to push you in your face into reality, really like this is what you are unhappy about, this is what you want to change into your life, so just do it, take action, take action, take action. So to be able to take action, to be able to practice Buddhism, you really need to be into your reality most of the time, all of the time, really. So I believe that there are people that maybe they run away or they use spirituality as a way to run away and, and it was a way to feel good about themselves because they're so spiritual or they're so, you know, dedicated to, for sure there is that this this attitude. But at the end of the day, you can go around and around and around and around. If you have to, your life is th that, so you have to face it whatever is there you one way or another you have to face it so in buddhism they were telling us you can go around your problems fake it or pretend it don't exist but karma works in a way that the same issue will repre represent itself maybe in a, on a bigger scale so just you know be in the moment and face your problem right now so yeah, for sure there is a way to use spirituality to run uh, out or uh, away from your uh, daily life. But, you know, again, it's your choice. <clears throat> How are we going to know then whether our spiritual practice is an escapism if we're just going through the motions of and the outward appearance of going to yoga, doing the asanas, sitting in the studio 10 minutes later than everyone else in a meditative pose, but thinking about what you're having for dinner. How are we going to know if we really are, because we've said before in this podcast and, and, and in other podcasts, people come to yoga and spirituality, they're seeking, why are they seeking? Because they want to fix something in their lives. And so how, how are we going to know this difference between fixing something and escaping Mm. from something 
we need to understand, of course, why we do that spiritual work. What is your main intention? What would you like to fix, repair, heal? And also with time, the more time you spend on that spiritual path, it's also important to reflect on what is advanced yoga, what is intermediate yoga. I think you need to reflect on that. And to me, intermediate, intermediate or advanced yoga is not about crazy postures. It's not about the outer shapes that you see because, you know, you, you can do beautiful shapes on the outside. But does it really mean that you became a nicer, kinder, more compassionate human being? As we sit down and reflect and, and maybe we change our perspective on, on what advanced yoga truly means, we understand that advancement on a spiritual, spiritual path is it's really about maybe slowing down, becoming more aware, becoming kinder, maybe cultivating more self-love, self-compassion, compassionate towards others. So all these qualities that you know, all the, most of the religions and, and, and spiritual teachers talk about, that's, these are the true signs of spiritual advancement. And if these qualities don't show up in your life, might mean that maybe you're still stuck on a, we could call it superficial layer, but that layer is also important. So of course you can have, you have the freedom to look at and work on another layer. It reminds me of what Erica said two podcasts ago, where, you know, you come out of uh, here, you go next door to farm and somebody cuts you up in the queue. You know, if you get angry about that, then you do need yeah. to examine your spiritual practice because maybe it is just going through the motions. And if it's not having that effect of exactly. calming your mind, of helping you to be a kind of more ahimsic person than then maybe something about your practice is escapism and isn't real work yeah. you wanted to add something because also thinking of all that and speaking of the, the, the thinking of the spiritual path through escapism i was also at some point wondering and it's just a question but i'm not i'm not sure i have well, at least i have my answer for myself but and let everybody have its own. First, to answer Monica, I think mm -hmm. at the end it's all about taking responsibility mm -hmm. for for what you said. Yeah. I think it's a, it comes down to indeed face your life. It's taking responsibility, which we're trying to escape through the, this this um, mental process of escapism. As for spirituality, I'm also sometimes wondering if those so-called religions or beliefs are not a, another way of escapism and thinking like, isn't it? easier for us to imagine that the beloved people that we lost are all in a nice place rather than just dealing with the loss and those those beliefs are coming with like for me i was wondering at least that's why i'm, I'm just throwing the question because as i said i have my own beliefs which i'm not saying are the truth but this is what it is but i was just wondering how did we come up to those beliefs how did it is that also another form of finding a, a smoother way to deal with, with things, another emotional escape? Certainly as somebody who grew up in a very strict Christian sect, yeah, a lot of it is escapism and it attracts people that want to escape, that want to be told that, yes, you're, you're part of the chosen people, the very few people that God loves and God is going to save. And that can be enormously comforting, but what do you do in response to that? Nothing except, you know, live by a few rules which allow you to feel superior and put in the time, put in the hours at church and maybe do some good works. A lot of religions are escapism, but then we also have to look at ourselves and look at our practice and go, okay, what is it that's different about yoga that means it isn't escapism? We've already said that some kinds of practice can simply be escapism and a way to put a veneer on top of mm -hmm. the problems that are underneath that you, um, that you don't examine and work out. Robbie? Just wanted to add maybe another thought to this spiritual advancement and, and for us yogis, because again, yeah, this is a spiritual context, a yogic context um, that wanted to examine. And it's, 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 again, it's all about the mind. Yoga really teaches about the, the mind to uncover, to understand the mystery of the mind. The whole 
practice is all about that. Of course, sometimes use the physical practice to learn about the mind, but it's all about that. How does the mind manifest? How does the mind create escapism? How can we really ground ourselves in this moment? How can we really live in reality? And if you understand the mind, that the mind has the tendency to create separation, create separation between physical world, spiritual world, my world, your world. With time, the more time you spend on the mat, off the mat, see it, reflect, meditate, we see that, yes, there's that inner world you can access. There's the outer world that you need also to feed your body. But with time, you realize there's just only one, one world. And I think that's what seekers need to achieve to understand that there's no separation as such. You can access that layer. It's just maybe a, la a dimension, a layer, but there's no separation. There's no wall between these layers. That layer feeds the other layer. So it's not like there's a wall. <clears throat> yeah. And that's, that's the true purpose of yoga, that complete integration of the spiritual world, the physical world, the mental world. That, that is yoga. I think the true purpose of yoga. How does that play into the West's seeming obsession with the physical practice? Okay, we, we moved from feeling good to needing to look good because we need validation through the, the, the physical practice and physically to look to a certain way that's going to be socially acceptable. And that maybe that's the only way that I could connect probably escapism with the an, an, an obsession with physical practice is this obsession of escaping the reality of our real self by trying to look a certain way or by trying to have like to reach that validation or to believe that because we look a certain way we'll be able to have this or that and as as monica mentioned as okay if i have my six pack then i'll be more attractive and i'll 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 be in love or i'll, I'll find a person of my life that's for me might be the way that I would take escapism related to the physical practice, but I don't know. I, well, I just want to point out how that is so sweet, Colin, that you're going to get a six pack and use it to find love. <laughs> where everyone That's else, why it's a where everyone else is going to get a six pack so they can find lust. <laughs> so you're already, you know, well on the way. Romantic to, guy. Yeah. Well, that's why I don't have a six pack. <laughs> <laughs> Robbie, you've been you've been very patient. You want to answer this question? Sometimes I like to compare the the very physical, very intense, demanding practices. I'm trying to be very diplomatic here to drugs sometimes because I've been down that road. I I did really extreme Ashtanga, Bikram, hot, and you know it it takes you to a plane when you're like crazy. Your mind is 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 just somewhere else. And, and sometimes you can compare it like being drugged, being high. And, and some people like to go to that place because you could say it's, oh, it's still a healthier way to escape because maybe you're depressed, you're sad, you're low energy. But after the practice, if you go and do an extreme Bikram class, you feel high most of the time. And it's, it's a bit like, you know, when you go to a sauna through sweating, you, you really so much and you feel light you feel that you don't actually you feel that you don't have feelings anymore, emotions. You feel like the pain is gone. Whatever pain that you had in your life, it's gone. And that can turn into obsession. And, and we had friends, common friends, that turned to Bikram and became really that obsession, addiction. And of course, it can help you. It also helped me a lot doing extreme hot classes. It helped me to create a healthier habit rather than maybe smoking, drinking, or potting. It was helpful for me for that time. But there's a moment, I think, as Monica said, there's a moment you need to face face that problem. The number of times, actually, that we've heard from people on this podcast say, because we asked them to say, so how, well, we say now, how did yoga find you? <laughs> Following the Robbie principle of yoga distribution in the world. The number of times that people who we who I respect now that I've heard their stories and listened to their insights, they say, "Oh yeah," and then I got addicted to yoga. And I, it's a good question. Is it you know you're supposed to have a daily practice? I have a daily practice. It's the most important thing you know about my day now. Does that mean I'm addicted? I I don't think it it does. But I can also see how 
if you do two hours of asana practice every day and and um, video yourself and put it on Insta, which is what the young people call Instagram, then yes, it does it does become a, an addiction. Like, where's where's the fine line, Robbie? It's also about energy, you know, like, unfortunately, if you have limited energy to spend here. <coughs> so, of course, if you spend a lot of energy on, on, on the physical practice, a lot of energy on taking photos of your house, posting that, it's, it can also, of course, it can help you to, 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 to pay your bills, but then you have less energy for something else. And for us yogi seekers, I think it's a big challenge to to find that balance. How much energy we spend on certain things, such as asana practice. Do we really need to practice two, three hours a day? Or maybe you time realize, actually, I only need 50 minutes because I can get to that state. Of course, a 90-minute practice is always nice, but sometimes you only have 10, 15 minutes. You're not a bad yogi because you only practice 10 minutes. When I look at my own practice, I, I don't necessarily need a 90 or two hour class anymore, a practice anymore, because I've been there. I, I, I did that for years and years and years and years. I can back to that state in 10, 15 minutes that I feel my body's balanced. So I have maybe more energy to, to spend that energy on something else, such as cleaning yoga mats, <laughs> for example. Or, or meditating. Exactly. I mean, there's so many things you could, you could think of. So energy is limited. Be smart how you spend that energy. And, and that also comes down to what you said, self-study, study, do self-observation. How do you spend that energy, ujas, life force, because that's limited what we have. Yeah. And then maybe ask your friends and your loved ones whether, whether they think you're obsessed or not, but maybe they just won't understand the spiritual quest. And that's a little bit what I wanted to also point out. It's the reason moment is also about realizing yourself whether you're doing it. What are, what are the reasons behind why you're doing those two hours practice a day? The moment it becomes an addiction, it's the moment you also, at least one of the results of that that we've seen also as studio owners, I feel, it's that the moment where you start to have people coming to you and believing that their practice is the truth and that is the only one possible. And you have certain styles that are that are, that are having this, that effect. And I think that's the moment where probably your friends should tell you like, okay, maybe you can open up a little bit. And that's what we try to cultivate also here in that studio is this openness is the, that, as Roby said, we don't necessarily need to do an hour and 15 minutes hot flow every day to to reach that state we can also find that in other in other places but even in meditation and we've also met the people like that that believe that because they meditate their hour a day they are better than others hmm. so there is this like element of yeah i don't know spiritual materialism ego which ego and spiritual materialism which we are going to talk about it on another podcast i just have maybe a question for roby because i think that's also having a regular practice and, and um, to, to repeat over and over. What would you answer to the people that are going to quickly answer like, but it's a moving meditation? It comes down to dosage, like balance. It's not, nothing is bad, just too much can be damaging. But if, if you don't have time to do your daily job, if you don't have time to feed your body, to feed your kids, to pay your bills, if you have energy, of course, if you can have a good night's sleep, why not? Nothing is inherently bad. Just know that you have 24 hours in a day. If you spend 10 hours already on moving, meditating, you have maybe eight hours for sleeping and the rest, what do you do with that? So I think we're, we're hitting the wall here where we are by default examining the true goals of yoga that you know will lead us to enlightenment but most of us are not in the position where we're anywhere near, we're near close to that and we're going to be practicing yoga while having other lives we're not sages living in the jungle in a hut it is an interesting question about how much is enough in this urban setting where you are not devoting your whole life to yoga there is an element I think that we haven't discussed and we've talked about it in other podcasts and that is, you know, ask for help. And I refer back to that mantra. I I love that mantra, even though my favorite version of it is this guy who can't sing, but he has a really <laughs> lovely version of it. 
that's asking for help. If you repeat that mantra every now and then, oh Lord, lead me from the unreal to the real. From darkness to light, light. From, from death, death to, immortality. to immortality. From the earth to the open sky, from death to eternal life. Mm. And there you're asking for help. And I think that that kind of asking for help, that kind of spiritual practice also helps to regulate and to balance because you're asking for other powers, other other things outside your outside yourself to help regulate mm -hmm. and balance your life, including your practice. Mm. True. And it's it's searching for for this uh, this theme. Also ran a, ran on a, a study that says that the the more you escape, the more you practice escape is more daydreaming. It seems that the more you will become unhappy. Oh yeah, and there is a relationship sure. between the two. So it's and it's interesting also that you mentioned the phones and social media because all those things are escape strategies. But mm. ultimately, it is more and more proven that it's making us not so happy when we start to be addicted to it. Yep. It's making us unhappy, unhealthy, unhelpful. Mm. So asking for help is indeed probably. A, a good thing once we realize that we have those kind of addictions and patterns. Yeah, it's not easy to ask for help and also you need to realize that you need help. But also, It's easier to ask God though, isn't it? Because yeah. no one else needs to know. Yeah, exactly. It's your, it's your request. Yeah. Silent request. But it can be also as simple as asking questions. You know, talk to your teacher, yoga teachers after class, ask questions and, and through that or through those answers maybe something, some, something becomes clear. I always like to to get questions, but students don't. I mean, of course, every now and then we, we, we get interest, interesting questions. But in general, students, yogis are always very shy. And I'm sure I, I remember that 10, 15, 20 years ago, I, I had so many questions. And even now today, if I meet my teachers, I like to ask questions because through that we can learn so much. We don't need mm -hmm. to, to spend 10 years to find an answer. Maybe someone <laughs> already has that answer. So ask that's that's so important one of you mentioned earlier the dark side what about anti-escapism what about people who 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 live so much in this grinding world of opposites that their life is so heavy and uh is that a, is that a thing nowadays and if it is a thing um can yoga help with that too I think escapism, everybody practices a little bit of escapism. The opposite extreme would be to be fully rational, fully analyzing everything factually. And I think we, we need sometimes to have that escape. I don't think, it, and even though I, I feel that even you would be able to just look at the things for what they are fully, I'm not sure how that person would deal with the world because I think it's a... I'm smiling because we all thought it was you. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that fully rational non-escapist this is i don't think i'm a non-escapist i'm like i also need that i think i do consider myself as a creative person yeah and you need a little bit of escapism for What? that you need to be able to as an architect you need to project things to project yourself in a space that doesn't exist you need to project yourself in somebody else's mind and to be able to understand what they will like, what they will want, or what is their life look like. Yeah. Or what it will look like afterwards. So mm -hmm. you can be rational and still having a little bit of need of escaping, but otherwise you would just like give up on everything. At least it's my feeling. I think it's impossible to to live without escapism. Sometimes it's not packaged as escapism, it's just life. It's part of life, part of the human experience. We're programmed to 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 change to transform and and in order to transform sometimes we need to travel to physical places mental places different planes so yeah it, it it's just i believe it's impossible to live without escapism yeah you don't need to use the word but we need that we need that source of inspiration we need to to be exposed to new ideas new worlds so just infuse that with mindfulness i think that that's the key yeah Mm -hmm. and and be be present on many many planes because we we exist on not only the physical plane but many many planes and as i said earlier it's there's no separation between these planes with time with practice we realize that there's just one one plane yeah. one consciousness 
So I don't have to give up on my escapist fantasy where I win a substantial amount of money on the Euro millions and I give a lot to you guys to build <laughs> to build a temple room and a library uh, in the studio. I can keep occasionally keep, imagining that. Keep escaping there. Yeah. Exactly. Escaping there is better than uh, other places. So dosage. I think if you want to remember one word that will help, it's it's dosage. Just get enough. So give yourself homeopathic doses of um, of escapism, and that will that will probably be enough. Don't try to destroy it because we all need to. We all need the facility to imagine a better you, a better me, a better world, a place where we where we do care and love each other more and love the planet more, which is going to be our next problem. Does anybody want to add any more thoughts? I have a quote if you want. Is it oh. from is it from Nietzsche? Of course. Great. <laughs> Let's close. Let's close with a thought. From Nietzsche. Stay not where the lowlands are. Climb not to the sky. The world looks best by far when viewed from halfway high. I don't oh. believe that's from Nietzsche because it rhymes. It's a lot of poetry. Okay. And I guess the translation, the translation. also might yeah. make it more poetic, but Nietzsche is very poetic. Okay. Again, I'm going to give a cultural reference that only old, old, old people will know, but climb every mountain. And that's nope. another, yeah. That's, that's another from metaphor. The, yeah, that's from The Sound of Music. Ford every stream, <laughs> follow every rainbow till you find your dream. Oh, wait, that's escapism. <laughs> <laughs> it's been a real pleasure to talk about these things with you. I'm not surprised that one of the conclusions we draw every time is balance, guys. Balance. Because that is a really important principle of yoga. Until next time, goodbye, Colin. Goodbye, everyone. Bye, Robbie. Bye, everyone. Bye, Monica. Bye, everyone. Bye.